We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Box Trotting to Get Down, White Sox, Dave, Kenny Carkeet, and Dante. And after a few weeks of not having guests, we have a huge guest on this week. We have Brent Smith from Shinedown. Amazing interview. And I apologize to everybody because I did it from a car in South Carolina. I was on vacation with my wife's family. Uh, but Brent is an unbelievable dude, one of the best voices in rock and roll. They just put out a new record. And I'll be completely honest, man. That was a, a much deeper conversation than I thought we were going to get. You guys will hear that in a minute. But I'm joined here from the airport, as always, with Dante. Dante, how are you, buddy? Fantastic, man. Never better. Yeah. Where are you going? Aspen. Oh, okay. You're getting ritzy on me? Uh, doing. I'm doing a ritzy, ritzy wedding is what I'm doing. Oh, so you're out there a, DJing. Uh, a famous vacuum uh, company family. <laughs> is it dyson i can't i can't say nda Under, but un understood understood it's the, from the uh the mighty dyson or not dyson shit sorry the mighty uh vacuum uh family we'll just go with that but oh i do have a question before we get started you just tweeted this out can you please explain to me what the fuck sparkle motion is i have homework for you tonight okay when you're when you're done work um watch donnie darko Oh, you'll, you'll thank me. You'll it's a thank Donnie me Darko it, thing. It's like the only Jake Gyllenhaal movie I like. Jake Gyllenhaal is the fucking man. What do you mean? What? You're not a Jake Gyllenhaal guy? Hell no. Have you ever seen Nocturnal Animals? Uh, no, I'm thinking of um, Zodiac. What's Zodiac Nocturnal is, Animals? Nocturnal Animals was directed by Tom Ford, the fashion designer. Uh, it is one of the creepiest movies I've ever seen. It's him and Amy oh, Adams. Oh, with like the murder. Yeah, the, the just, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Hated it. Oh, I love that movie. That movie fucked me up. I came up from the studio one night and stayed up till five o'clock in the morning dude, watching that. Yeah, I don't like movies like that that like give people ideas. Like yeah, I guess, I've seen movies like that. And I'm like, like, why put this out there and inspire <laughs> psychos? It's a great question. Um, yeah, so we do have the Brent Smith interview coming up. I'm also tonight for on the guest list in Barstool backstage covering OAR, Dispatch, and G-Love. Uh, shout out to Mark Robert. I'm doing an interview live from their bus. And then I'm doing a harmonica battle with G-Love, which I don't oh, know. Dude, that's sick. Yeah, uh, this is a child, like legit childhood dream of mine. This is that's my so idol sick. growing up. The first like four years of Foxtrot, like when we were in college, I played a harmonica on every song. I wore it around my fucking neck. Uh, I can wail. I haven't done it in like probably four or five years. And I, I went and picked up a fresh one today. And dude, I'm still fucking it up. I'm still killing it. Uh, That's awesome, man. I'm battling a master. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, we have a lot to get into today. Uh, I want to start out. Once again, we're, we're dealing with the international man of mystery over here, Dante. He's chugging beers with Machine Gun Kelly and Avril Lavigne till fucking five in the morning. What's up, dude? How was that? It was like seriously unbelievable unbelievable night this weekend in cleveland so without getting too carried away uh mgk did his it was like his pen ultimate tour date in cleveland on saturday um played brown stadium sold it out sixty thousand people tickets were going for like seven eight hundred dollars on the secondary market it was crazy and we booked 
his after party um, at our club, which is like um, not even a mile away. Um, I've obviously throughout the years and him coming to our other other spots developed a pretty good relationship with his crew. So reached out to them when they announced the date was like, yo, got to do an after party. So we set it up. They all came by after that. Um, and yeah, he played like another 45 minute set. He was supposed to do like three songs, basically did a half concert. Um, he brought Avril Levine. How was who, that? Dude, I'll, I'll get to her in a minute. Brought her <laughs> out for a couple songs. He let her do like skater boy solo, which was fucking so awesome. That place had to be uh, like bouncing at that point, dude. It was nuts, man. I mean, his, his fans are, you say what you want about him, but man, I mean, we opened doors at 930. There were people. So we sold out, we sold like 800 tickets, no joke, in under four hours when we, when we announced the party and put tickets on sale. And we held on to like an extra 150 because we knew they were going to fly. So we released another 100, uh, maybe like three days later. Those sold out legit in a minute, 30 seconds, like 90 seconds. We sold another 100 tickets. So then... We had 50 more that we were like, all right, we're going to sell them at the door for people who got like shut out on Ticketmaster. So there were people outside lined up waiting for us to open doors at nine o'clock at like four 30 in the afternoon, Jesus five Christ. in the afternoon. They like skipped the concert to make sure they got tickets to come to the after party. It was, it was nuts. Dude. I have to, but, I uh, have to, I have to say this and I don't mean to cut you off because this has been, we talk about him every episode. I might be having a Guy Fieri situation with Machine Gun Kelly. You know how everybody on the internet hated Guy Fieri for like years and then all of a sudden they <laughs> I never did. I loved him. Oh since no, I love I fuck with Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri is the American dream. But I think I'm just getting out of this phase where I'm hate I'm done hating and I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm gonna give everything a shot and I'm gonna give Machine Gun Kelly a shot. I'm I'm done hating. I'm done. Unless he like says that he drinks Megan Fox's blood. Other than that, I'm cool. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. So, I'm done. I'm done hating. So sadly she didn't come, which sucked because <laughs> I was really looking forward to like smelling her hair. <laughs> <laughs> but so she didn't come, but Avril came and dude, I had this is like totally not offensive at all, but I always wondered what the whole like Brody Jenner, Avril Levine thing was. Didn't know that was a those, thing. Those, oh yeah, that was like his first like big. I think they were engaged. What? At one point, yeah. And I mean, I've I've hung out with him a few times. I mean, he could literally pick any woman in the world. And my my wife would, would fucking. Would, my yeah, wife they would leave me in five minutes. Yeah, they would leave whoever they were with for him in a second. So I was always like, Avril Levine, huh? And after like seeing her in person and hanging out with her, I totally get it now. She is top 10 coolest chicks I've ever freaking hung out around, been with, talked to. Wasn't she married to Chad Kroger from Nickelback? Yeah. And she's really good looking in person. Like yeah. she's very, very pretty in person. Um, and dude, just like life of the party. 
Fuck yeah. Like she was there, she was there till 4 30 in the morning. Like we re- we kept running out of beer on stage. We had all this like like Diddy sent this rider over, or Bad Boy sent this rider oh, over. I that forgot he signed all, Bad Boy. It was all De Leon and all Ciroc. So we had to bring in all this product that we don't carry. And it was like all on stage. Didn't even think that, that like the band and like their crew was big beer guys. So they kept at like we went through so many cases of Modelo. And she's just grabbing cans of it every time it came up and walking around and giving people one. And, and like she had a, a key set and she was like, pop it. We're shotgunning. We're shotgunning. We're shotgunning. Yeah. So she, she, she staged like four or five like shotgun rounds with like 20 people. And we were just like ripping beers till 4.30 in the morning. You can't fucking say that this podcast does not have a little bit of juice because we're out here fucking, uh, we're doing things every week now with people. And thankfully, you know, you run the club, so you kind of have an access to that. But I told you, I, it's not just for you because I know how much you like them. I'm done hating. I'm moving past it. Uh, it, the podcast is gonna be very boring if I don't hate on anything, but I'm I'm I am officially putting the kibosh on hating on Machine Gun Kelly. I'm done. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get the two of them on at uh, some point separately. I would like to do it in person, so we gotta um, try to coordinate. But we're definitely gonna do um, an MGK and then in an Avril interview in the next uh, hopefully few weeks. I will drop whatever I'm doing and go do it. I will fly anywhere. Don't care. But I will say, too, if we do interview him, can I say I was a hater and now I'm I'm reformed? Oh, yeah. He, he, he won't care at all, dude. He's so just smooth and, like, comfortable in his own skin. He gives, like, Good. no fucks. Good. He, um, he was bleeding from the nose. Yeah. Somehow I think, he got, I think he got hit in the face with the guitar. Um. But he started out his show. Did you see how he how he zip lined in to the stadium? No, how he started cool, the show up. So I was talking to his manager Dre, and I was like, "Dude, how the hell did you get that cleared for him to do that?" He was like, "It took weeks." He goes, <laughs> "We could not find an insurance company to insure it. Well, that's like, we like- get a ten million dollar policy to insure him zip lining in." from outside the stadium, like to the stage. It was so sick. That's like when Big Cat had to lose weight so that he could, for the Arizona Bowl, he was going to skydive into the stadium. <laughs> yeah, a, l- a little, little different. A little different, but um, no. So I'm excited. I fucking, that that looked amazing. And I, I would like to have a conversation because I don't, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if I'm maturing or maybe I'm just more comfortable now, but I was listening to a podcast recently. It was Shane Gillis. I love him to death. Um, his podcast, and he was because he's world famous now. He's doing Rogan all the time, and he was saying like, "Dude, when I started, I was just a piece of shit, fucking in my basement, failed comedian who wasn't doing shit, and all I did was hate and hate and hate." And I don't know what's happening to me, but I finally feel like I know exactly what I'm doing and where I'm going on both the podcasting front and the music side. And I've sent you the recent music for Foxtrot. I feel amazing about it. Uh, we're in the studio cutting more. We have a plan. Everything feels good. I feel comfortable with my own skin. But this brings me to something before we get into the Brent interview, because Brent gave great advice, right? He has this amazing moment in the podcast where he's talking about playing more shows and doing all this stuff. But it brings me to this kind of thought. And my friend Katie Feeney, she's been on the podcast. I think you and him got an argument about uh, her got an argument about Pete Davidson. Um, she's awesome. 
she posted this thing and it, it was a, a tweet from somebody that said basically like all of my friends who are in music are so stressed out and they're so depressed and it's never been tougher in music. And part of me wants to relay this to other musicians. Cause I feel like this is where I am right now. My advice. If the person you're talking to was either super established before COVID or didn't live through the pandemic in that capacity of being like an artist going in and coming out, take everything with a grain of salt because this entire industry is new. It's all redone. I feel comfortable where I'm going and I feel like I'm doing the right shit, but can I give that same advice to somebody else? No, you got to figure out what you want, what your plan is, what your goals are. You can't just take advice. If someone's 75 years old and they're like an old record label exec, and they're trying to give you advice on what worked in the sixties and seventies, fucking throw that advice in the trash. Cause this is a new ball game. This is a completely different world. And it took, I'm speaking once again from my own experience. It took me two years of living through the pandemic and six months since things have gotten back to normal to finally feel like, oh my God, I think I figured it the fuck out. And Dante, you're a fucking successful businessman. You're a successful DJ. Do you feel like that's an accurate description of what I said? 100%, man. It's, um, I know it's cliche to say that, you know, pandemic was a reset, but I mean, for this industry, so much so. I mean, I was talking with, um, big CAA guy came out um, Saturday. There was a ton of label people there at the after party. And I was talking with them and just from a label perspective, they were talking about how that whole paradigm shifted with, you know, William Morris used to be King of the Hill and they hired some ridiculous amount of staffers right before COVID. I mean, I'm talking thousands and, COVID hit, they had to let everybody go. Um, AEG and CAA and some of these smaller labels, you know, snatch up a lot of talent and it, it's showing now. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of new labels are making some noise now. Um, you know, management firms. Um, and, you know, with that comes, you know, new talent, which is new ideas. And it's, it's usually, you know, young people that are in those roles and, you know, not to bash on the old 70 year olds that you just referenced, but dinosaurs have been holding back this industry for so long. And especially, you know, I bitch all the time about the digital aspect of it. And uh, they just don't understand you know, the internet, digital streaming, uh, copyright, all that shit. And hopefully with, you know, this new influx of, you know, young, intelligent talent, hopefully that starts, that all starts to change too. Well, my, my thing is too, like, and I totally agree with everything you just said, right? We're in the fucking wild west. Nothing that applied before the pandemic is exactly what it is now. My biggest thing is, though, even if you're taking advice from somebody you think has their shit together, they don't. We're all figuring it out at the same time. So figure it out. Figure out what it is that you want. Like, if TikTok's your realm, go do it. I hated on that for a while. It has done amazing things for friends of mine. Joe P signed to Atlantic because of it. Armani White fucking is on Rap Caviar and just signed to Def Jam because of it. These are my fucking boys. Like, if that works for you, that works for you. I happen to go the route where I said, I can talk. and. That's how I'm going to connect with other people. 
This thing has been fucking amazing for me, and it's only going to get bigger. Dude, there are so many opportunities, but to be fair, if you ask me today, should I start a podcast, I'd probably say no, because I don't know that you can do what I can do or what we can do. or I don't know what the answer is, but I know it's not as simple as get signed to a record label and you're good to go. It's not what it is anymore, and it's also, to be fair, it's not play 300 shows a year. Because that, for me, was what I did before this. We were hitting 100 dates a year, easy, playing every show, which is Brent's advice works very well, right? And for some people. But, like, I, me and the band decided that's not what we want anymore. We're going to go a different route, make a great record, which we're doing right now, use the podcast, and then when the podcast gets us to where we need to be relationships-wise, utilize that and get out and make content and fucking get on the road. Everything needs to be taken with a more personal aspect. It's not a blanket thing anymore. It's not one way fits all. And I can't explain like the inner peace that I'm feeling now knowing that like I think I'm on the right path. I might be wrong. I have no fucking clue. But I can tell you I've never been more confident and clear in what I'm doing. I love to hear that, man. It's good for you. Well, I honestly think I think we've done, and not to pat the four of us on the back, I think we've done a hell of a job, no matter like fucking come hell or high water, getting done what we need to get done. Every time I feel like we're stagnating, something huge happens. Like, I just feel like this is the right move. And we've worked for it. We've earned it. And we're going to keep doing it. End of story. Where I am. And by we, you mean you and I. Kenny uh, Kenny kind of sold us out for his babies. Infant. And uh, who's too good for us now? And Dave is just <laughs> in the wind. Dave's the fucking man. I can't speak for Kenny because Kenny doesn't exist because he's a fucking father. Um, but me and me and me and you will go to the ends of the earth. I mean, no doubt. I, I will fucking run through any wall that is put in front of me. I feel like Dan Campbell right now, the coach of the Detroit Lions. I'm fucking biting kneecaps. I'll drag you on the fucking deep end and drown you. Um, no, we're we're doing the right thing. We're doing the right fucking thing. That's all I know. And to all the musicians out there listening, I don't know what the right thing is for you, but you got to experiment. You got to fucking fail a million times. That's the only piece of advice that actually lasts through everything. You're going to get your ass beat. That's it. That's the only thing that holds true all the way through. You will get your fucking ass beat by this industry until you beat it into submission. That's it. I mean, you got to agree with that. It's like that with anything. You know, yeah. nothing, nothing worthless shit comes easy. And uh, if it does, you're probably going to get bored of it really quick. Or you've been signed into a bad situation you don't know is bad yet. True. Very you know true. how many people think that they got it all figured out? They signed some piece of paper and then the next thing they know, they're butt fucked. A lot of people. So if it comes easy, if, if something's rotten in Denmark, you should know it. You know what I mean? Like, fucking pay attention. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I woke up this morning. That was the thought in my head. Like, I think I might have this figured out. I think I know where I'm going. But also, I can't give that advice to anybody. If anybody is taking my advice uh, as gospel, which you're a fucking moron if you do, figure it, you got to figure it out for yourself. It's it's You can go to fucking seminars. You can read books. It doesn't matter. You can get good ideas and apply them to what you're doing. But realistically, this is uh, an individual situation kind of a thing. That's it. Um, let's go into our interview with Brent Smith in a minute. Real quick, I just want to talk about one more thing. Um, did you hear the fucking game diss track at Eminem? Yeah, I, I wrote about it. 
I so sad. Dude, like there is part of me that loves game for his early work. There's a part of his style that I fucking hate. If you listen to any game song, listen how many name drops there are. How many times has game talked about Kanye's mom? Like every fucking song. Like it I I like game. I do. But like the Eminem the Eminem shit is so corny to me. Like anybody who ever needs like like just don't fuck with the man. Especially don't bring his kid into it. Like that's like and I'm not like the huge like a huge Eminem guy. I just like if you want to grab a quick headline, it's like oh, I'm putting a new album. Also, there's a 10 minute Eminem diss track. It's like yeah, I know what you're doing. And I thought the rest of the record was okay. But like he has he's on a song with Drake. He just drops Drake bars the entire time. He's on a song with Kanye. He did that song um Monsters and Goblins or something with that with Tyler the Creator when he was like super young and he just did a Tyler the Creator impersonation the whole time. And I was like, man, fuck off. <laughs> get out, get out of here. Figure figure your own shit out. I mean, I I mentioned it in uh the blog I wrote. I mean that that first album put him on the map. It's incredible. But it, you know, shocking six songs off 50 cents six second album that you know dre and jimmy Iveen basically forced 50 cent to give them yep uh i mean do we even know who that guy is today if, if that never happens i also want to give a shout out to 50 because people forget the might and the power that 50 had in the early 2000s 50 50 took himself out of the game basically 50 was like i don't need to do this rap shit anymore i really don't Right. 50, 50 was for middle school for me 50 was like up there with Wayne and Kanye like he was that fucking big untouchable um but yeah I just I needed to get that off my chest uh I wanted to give three quick shout outs to new records that I, I absolutely love uh the new Rod Wave record is really good uh if you don't know Rod Wave go check out Rod Wave Steve Lacey the new Steve Lacey record is super fucking weird super weird but that nobody sounds like Steve Lacey that out that whole album was unreal, man. Steve Lacey is like an evolved form of like where Mac DeMarco had this weird sound and shit. Steve Lacey took that, morphed it, and turned it into something even better. So fucking shout out Steve Lacey. Uh, and then I want to give a shout out. Who do I have here? Fuck, I had it and I missed it. Uh god damn it. Well, I, I brought up Joe P before. Joe P, uh, former lead singer of Deal Casino, now million monthly listeners on Spotify signed to Atlantic records. I love Joe. I think Joe is the best songwriter on earth right now. I don't think anybody writes better shit than him. Um, friend of mine, we've toured together. Uh, I love that man. And I truly don't think that there's another person on earth that writes better songs. I just, I'm obsessed. Like it's very weird. And I don't know how you feel about this, Dante. I have a lot of friends and big bands and shit like that, that will send me music and stuff like that. And I, have a hard time separating the fact that I know the person who's singing and actually really enjoying it. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is my boy shit. That's That's tight with Joe. I, I it's, if you look at my on repeat, Joe is on here like four times. I love this dude's music. Like I really do. The only other band like that I'm with is uh, my buddies from Nashville. They're, they were called secret club. They're not called real humans. Not a big band by any stretch. Not a big band. Put out two of my favorite records of all time. Uh, and I, you've met Nate. Nate Moran has come on here. He argued with Robbie Fox about Pearl Jam and Motley Crue. Nate's the best. Oh my God, Nate is such a great fucking drummer. Uh, but yeah, do you have anybody like that that you're friends with like that will send you shit, like big bands that will be like, oh, yo, check this out. You actually listen to their music regularly? Not bands, but 
few rappers, mm. bunch of DJs. Mm. Um, the the problem I have is I always love the first like iteration I hear of stuff, and then when I hear the final after it's evolved, you know, five or six times, or it, you know, it's usually completely different. And uh, I'm always like finding myself like, oh man, it was so good the first time I heard it. Like you should have just left it as it is. But you and my brother would be very good friends because my brother always gets mad at me because I'll send him my voice memo versions of songs. And he's like, this is the best thing you've ever done. And then here's the final version. We were golfing two weeks ago before my buddy's wedding. And my brother was like, I was like, that new fucking song, that's money, right? And he was like, you pussied out. He's like, you fucking pussied out. It's too, it's too like radio friendly now. It's like, I wanted that raw shit. And I was like, Matt, when I'm not bartending anymore, we can have this conversation until I suck my fucking dick. I was like, if the radio is coming to me, I'll take it. By the way, I do love that song and Matt can suck my balls. I fucking hate that kid. I love him. Um, But no. All right. Let's go into our interview with Brent Smith from Shinedown. Ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast today, we have legend, singer, songwriter from the band Shine Down. We have Brent Smith on the podcast. Brent, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. I know you gentlemen are busy. You got a lot of stuff going on out there, so I'm happy to talk to you. We know you're busy. Uh, obviously, you guys have been hitting the road hard. You just dropped a new album, uh, but we like to start always with a little ball busting to start. Uh, I found you guys way back in the day uh, from your cover of Simple Man. Yeah, by Leonard Skinner. And I just want to ask you, do you know how many terrible covers of that song you guys have spawned on YouTube? Are you aware of that? I'm not aware of it. I try not to look or listen. <laughs> like it was it was nerve wracking enough when the decision uh, was made to actually um, re-release our first album, because um, for some of your viewers and your listeners that don't know, we do this uh version of leonard skinner simple man it's on our first album uh and it happened at a radio station in boston actually waaf where we ended up they somehow mistress carrie who is a very well-known dj uh and still is uh aaf isn't there anymore but this was back in like oh three and she got us to play it on air and it was just an acoustic version of it we came back to the city they had recorded it this was the early days of like mp3s um and <laughs> they recorded it on their website and uh and down so you could download it um we came back to the city like six weeks later and it had been downloaded like a half a million times and it was just a live Jesus. rendition of it there in the studio so we went to sanford florida i cut it in like three takes live and then we put it on the record and the rest is history I got a question off of that. Obviously, Jacksonville, Florida has been, uh, we'll use the word hotbed of, of Southern rock and, and, yeah. and rock and roll music uh, dating back decades and decades now. And I was watching actually a few weeks back, I was watching the Allman Brothers or the um, Leonard Skinner documentary on, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's like an hour and a half long. It's fucking awesome. And there was a part where Gary Ross was talking about how, um, they wrote, it was, it was either Simple Man or Sweet Home of Alabama. I forget it, but Gary Rossington looks at Ronnie Van Zant and he, he looked at him. He's like, this is our, um, uh, this is our Jessica, one of the 
you know, very famous Allman Brothers songs. It's like, this is it. This is a song that's going to make us a household name. Obviously, you guys have influence from, I'm sure, the Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner and all that. Is there, a, is there a song that you guys had where you looked at each other and you're like, this is it. This is our sweet home Alabama. This is our, you know, whatever Leonard Skinner or Allman Brothers song. Honestly, if I'm if I'm being forward about it, um, even in the beginning, we never looked at the songwriting like that. Um, what we've always tried to do is we do our best to not write the same song over and over again. And we try our best to not make the same record twice. <laughs> so. A lot of times it's, you know, it's it's the dynamic of being in the industry, too. But from a um, from an artistic standpoint, uh, we also have a fan base. I've often said this because it's very true um, and it lends itself to your question. We have one boss in this band. It just happens to be everybody in the audience. And ultimately, <laughs> they decide if you stay and they'll decide if you go. Um, oh, yeah. And. And people aren't stupid. Um, and they know if you're presenting something to them that had a corporate mindset or that you were trying to copy somebody and it's not yeah. authentic. And what we just always tried to do because our audience has given us a platform to be ourselves because we want them to be themselves. Um, uh, they've always just allowed us to evolve and to be artists and performers and musicians and lyricists and all those aspects. So from that standpoint, I don't think we've ever looked at each other and been like, oh, we've you know written our Purple Rain or oh, we wrote our Smells Like Teen Spirit or um, uh, you know I, we wrote our I Will Always Love You. Um, we're just trying to make the most authentic shine down material that we can. Well, dude, it's funny you it's funny you say that because I, I was listening to the record this morning when I was running, and you don't make the same song twice, and you don't make the same record twice. Um, but I'm going through. We'll, we'll talk about Planet Zero because obviously that's why we're here. The record's amazing. Thank you. Um, but even even listening to songs like Daylight and Saints of Violence and Innuendo, like they're almost back to back on the record towards the back half of the record. Yeah. You guys went all over the place here, and the record came out fucking outstanding. Like. What was the process of making the record like? Well, the interesting thing about the record is, you know, we've often said this, uh, very rarely does an artist and an audience get to experience something together for the very first time. And we wrote this record in the midst of a global pandemic. And um, it was one of the, 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 it was a moment in time where it didn't matter what part of the world you were in, we were all going through the exact same thing. And, you know, the dynamic of what we consider to be the human condition um, and what we don't want people to lose uh, is their human condition. And that has to do with being respectful to each other, understanding that there's going to be different sides and everybody's going to have different opinions. Um, sometimes you can't sometimes you can't step into a situation and it not be somewhat polarizing, but it depends on the situation you've chosen to step into. And mm. the dynamic of that was we're writing this record in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of what was going on in the United States during the pandemic with social unrest um, and the dynamic of what's right and wrong. And our whole dynamic was, first of all, you have to have enough common sense to understand what right and wrong is 
You know what I mean? And I'm all for letting the other side speak. I'm not for censorship um, at all. I actually want to know what you think um, mm. so that I understand you. Um, but the, the, the whole point of the album was when you're writing a record and we tried to have the crystal ball method, which is three years from now, nobody's want to, nobody's going to want to relive this or talk about it or, or anything of that nature. True. But I arrived in, oddly enough, I arrived in Charleston, South Carolina on June 1st of 2020. Um, our bass player, Eric Bass, born and raised in South Carolina. Uh, the last two Shinedown records have been engineered, mixed, and produced by Eric in South Carolina. Um, and it was very apparent, man, that that idea of trying to write a, an, a record that was just really made up wasn't going to be doable because there were yeah. so many things going on and we, we wanted to talk about it and we wanted to put it on the table. The record, listen, the record is about, like I said, it's about the human condition. It's about people understanding one another and looking at what we've all gone through and understanding how to work with each other, but also understanding there's a lot of aggression on the album. There's a lot of, it's very ferocious, but there's also a lot of triumph on the record as well. Um, but the overview of it is we can't lose our minds. Like you can't lose your common sense and you can't stop being educated. You've got to constantly educate yourself on what's going on. Um, but also too, we need to be there for each other because the only way forward ultimately is together. And I'm not trying to be PC about it. I'm being super honest about it because I still believe in human beings and I believe that we're inherently good. Now, you I'm are, go. good. That's, that's so gonna... much to, that's so much to unpack. Uh, I mean, I, I could listen to you talk for an hour about this stuff. I, I don't know about I'm sorry that. for the background noise. I'm, I'm in a hotel in Nashville and like 500 kids just <laughs> walked into the lobby. What hotel? Um, uh, or, of course, right when I started. You tell me off the record what hotel you're at. That's my other uh, home away from home. One, one hotel just opened my buddy, my buddy. I London. love that so, hotel. So dope. <laughs> but, uh, so man, like we talk about this all the time and it feels like the entertainment industry is kind of an anomaly in the fact that there aren't a lot of people like you who aren't afraid to speak as a voice of reason. It's a lot of people that are crazy on this side, crazy on this side yeah. that love to speak up and shout and yell the loudest. And then there's the people like us that are in the middle that are kind of level-headed and common sense that are just like, sometimes either, I don't, I don't know, want either. Sometimes I don't know if they're, if they're, I don't know if they're crazy. I just think that they be, they're passionate. Yeah. Well, it's it, the people that are in the middle like us are either like, I don't want to get into all that shit. I don't want to deal right. with it. Or they're just intimidated. So to hear somebody like you, and I, I want to get into the video you guys shot for um, pro, uh, Planet Zero because it is so well done. And there's nothing I hate more than music videos that are completely uh, irrelevant in right. terms of imagery to the song. And the way you guys just the symbolism in this video and 
even not even the symbolism, just like the blatant imagery with the messages you guys are, you know, expressing like, right. You know, obedience is obligatory. Dissent is forbidden. Mistakes yeah. are not tolerated. All, like all those messages were just fucking so great to see. So great to see like uh entertainer. That's not a nut job. Like kid rock actually <laughs> put out there. Like I, I, I fucking love it. Man. Like I seriously love it. And, but that represents to me, like, like Dante saying, like there's the 5% on this side and the 5% on that side. And then there's the 90% more towards the middle that like Dante said, he's either intimidated or just doesn't want to deal with the shit. And you give all of us a voice, you know, because we're all mostly there. You only hear the loud mouths on each side. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the, I appreciate that. I do. Um, Look, I know you guys have heard this before. Um, It seems to get used a lot now um in in just the public and it's a statement which is i'm glad that it's being brought up with people i don't want people to be desensitized to their feelings um but what's the definition of insanity doing Doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different outcome you know and or a different result and a lot of what planet zero was built um around that idea i remember when i arrived in Charleston in June of 2020, we, we turned the record in in January of this year. So it was a, it was a, it took a long time to make. This wasn't something that was like whipped up really quick. We spent a lot of time. Um, but I remember Eric looking at me and just being like, man, it feels like we are on planet zero. And that's exactly what he said, because he just felt like everything had been zeroed out. And also that like there was just zero accountability. It was just madness. Like what we were like watching in these screens on television or, or, or in the phone and all the social media. This is a and the whole point about the video was obviously we kind of wake up because everyone was living their lives before the pandemic. And then all of a sudden it was like that. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, let me give you a really, really wicked, gnarly case of reality. Yep. And uh, but the thing is, is that what you learned was that in regards to the virus, it's not the first virus in human history and it won't be the last virus in human history. The other dynamic about a pandemic is they all have one thing in common. They all ended. Mm-hmm. And the it just seemed like it wouldn't end. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it, it's just, there were all these excuses and all of this just were at a certain point in time, you had to look at the reality. One thing about the technological side of the video is this 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 woman that's in there, you know, like the four of us kind of wake up in this house, this very odd, strange, you know, house in this corridor, like we were transported and we're trying to figure out what the situation is. All of a sudden there's this entity there that's not really responding to us or like acknowledging us, but kind of is. And we don't know what's going on. And then ultimately, um what you find out as the as the video continues is that she's not real, you know, mm. and she's 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 digital like she's it's metaverse. It's virtual reality like she's not real. And you so you are a person you dude, you you're a connector of people. You know what I mean? Like you what you do is a living. You're a connector of people. Do you feel like we've lost a bit of that humanity? I actually feel like no, I don't. I actually because I'm going to tell you why. 
I have a 14 year old son who is going to be 15 in December. And I love the fact that his friends and him, they very rarely text or call one another. Oh. They fa- they FaceTime one another. And oh. then they FaceTime, they FaceTime each other just enough so that they can actually be with one another. Right. So, like, hey, I'll meet you down here at this time. Or, you know what I mean? Like, hey, I'll be right there. Like, they, like, want to be with one another. They want to interact. And, you know, that that's an amazing thing. It's one of the elements about, you know, his phone, though, once again, going back to kind of the song, the album and everything, one of the dynamics of the record we want people to understand in regards to social media and this, you know, box we're in at the moment. Don't lose sight of something very important. You are in control of the device. The, mm. the device doesn't need to be in control of you. That's yeah. what you got to separate. You're talking Dave's language here because oh, Dave yeah. wants nothing more than... Dave wants nothing more than to throw his phone away. <laughs> That's all and, he wants in life. But you're in control like, of that, though. You know what I mean? Like, if you needed to, man, you can you can take. You don't have to like delete your account or whatever, man. But you can like you can take some of those apps off your phone for a while. If you need to disconnect. You disconnect. You know, you come back to it later. Like, I don't think that we as human beings were meant to be inside on a computer all day long. I. I encourage people to go outside, <laughs> like go outside and like put your phone in like a drawer and leave the house. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a big world out there, man. Just touch grass every once in a while. Right. But take your saying. shoes off and touch grass a hundred percent. Like connect to the <laughs> earth, man. Sure, that's the other I thing too. Everybody like, talking about those people. Yeah, I mean, people talk about it all the time. Like, the internet is undefeated, Brent. And I'm like, no, man, Mother Nature is undefeated. (laughs) I'm like, you know, like, Mother Nature is undefeated. It's not the other way around. Dude, so this is, you guys are 20 years into your career at this point, right? Yeah. You put out this record where you have a lot to say. I'm a question of mine is because we we cater, we we make this podcast for young musicians, aspiring musicians. We're really trying to give people advice. At this point in your career and looking over the last 20 years and what you guys have created recently, like what advice do you give to young bands coming up? Because the world, the, the music industry is different. We're, we're in a different fucking world that we live in now in the music yeah. industry. Like what, what advice do you give to young bands and young artists now coming up? Uh, practice a lot. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is go play shows. Don't once again, don't just stay in your room. Don't just stay in the little practice area that you've created or or what have you. If you're a songwriter, I encourage you. If you're not, I encourage you to start writing your own songs because financially your publishing will give you a career. Um, Yes. The other side of that is learn how to play live and learn how to play live like a boss which means you got to play in front. I played in front of five people before I played in front of 500,000 people before. And the dynamic is I don't give any less to any audience. I never have. Like you're constantly going to learn something about your performance. Every time you play, it doesn't matter if it's scary. It doesn't matter if you're afraid. It doesn't matter if you're nervous. That's actually a good thing because that lets you know you're alive. And Like that is like the biggest thing that I can tell people is when I say practice, I mean, go out and play. I mean, a lot. Even if you're playing to the bartender, it doesn't matter. Like like the the word of mouth will will move as far as like 
SoundCloud, Spotify, um, you know, what you can do on, you know, streaming services, Apple Music, you know, all these different things. You can upload all this stuff now. Um, you know, obviously, TikTok has been a juggernaut in regards to that. But the one thing about TikTok that I would tell people is that that's disposable and those are 30 second hits. Um, can you write a song and can you write a album's worth of music that will still be relevant when you're gone? That's right. the question. That's the question you should ask yourself. I know it's a very bold way of looking at it, but if you really, really want to be a musician, you really want to be an entertainer, you really want to be in the industry, you've got to remember that it's hard work. Like, oh, yeah. here's the thing, man. You write a hundred, like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I write a hundred songs and I pray that 10 of them are really good. And I hope at least one of them is phenomenal. And then I write a hundred more. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. have to, you have to just, you have to do it. And the same thing with like playing live, man, you gotta like, you know, you gotta get in front of people because that's the other side of the industry, man, your merchandising, your ticket sales, like be a badass live performer. And in order yeah. to do that, you gotta play live a lot. Now on that note, so I'm trying to kind of sort of teach myself guitar right now. And I'm using myself as an example because it's very simple and easy. You said that you write a hundred songs and you pray that 10 of them are like good and that maybe one of them's a hit, whatever, whatever it was you just said. How do you train yourself into getting to that mindset where it's like you got you're gonna fail a ton before you succeed? Because it like just using the guitar as an example for me, like I'll play for four or five hours one night and yeah. it'll just be a wall. I can't get over like, you know, whatever I'm trying to do on any given song at that time. Uh, but to you, but to put it into like songwriting or, or playing guitar or any other aspect, how do you get over that hump? Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Or is there like a magic formula that you had specifically that you can, you know, share? The thing about me is that I'm very, very lucky in one major aspect in my personal life with my career. And that is from the moment I entered the earth, I always wanted to do what I'm doing now. Like I never didn't want to do this. Um, right. And scrutiny growing up um, gave me a lot of fuel. Um, you know, people at a young age, you know, fifth grade everybody's going up and being like i want to be a fireman i want to be a doctor i want to be a lawyer i want to be an engineer and kudos to all those professions i walk up and i go i want to be a singer and at recess bang you know what i mean like beat down <laughs> you want to be a what <laughs> you know what i mean and uh you know you it's you know the artsy kid and that whole kind of thing and you had to learn to be tough um because I was never going to not, you know, go after what I wanted to do. So in some ways, this is going to sound very dramatic, but it's the only way I know how to answer it from my side with the question you, you just asked. If you really, really want it, you got to be willing to die for it. Yeah. Like, and like you, you, you got to be willing to go to the edge of the earth, man, and, and beyond. And um, the, the thing about that, too, is. You have to live. I believe that the universe is real. And what I mean by that is everything happens for a reason. And those are teachable moments. And it's the same thing when you're learning a new skill. 
And if it's learning guitar, be patient with yourself also, is what I would say. Like, you're human. That's the beauty of being a human being. Um, you're constantly discovering things, not only about yourself. And with guitar, the cool thing about that, or learning any instrument, is the more the more you put into it, the more it's going to give back to you tenfold, I promise you. Damn. Brian, can, can I ask you a question? If you weren't doing music, have you ever considered a career as a football coach? <laughs> God damn, that was a great fucking speech, dude. It Hell was. Yeah. It was. Uh, no, I don't, I'm not very, I'm not very good at sports. Um, you know, I can work out like a madman. I'm not too good at sports. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Who's your team? Honest to God, man. I, I, I can't believe that hard knocks took as long as they did, but I'm stoked that the lions, um, yeah. right now, man, the lions, I'm just being honest with you. I got much love for Michigan. I always will. But like, I said, when, when Hard Knock started, like years ago, and what have you, I was like, if they ever do the Detroit Lions, man, I'm, I'm in it. So this year, uh, I'm in it. I'm in it for the Lions. You and Dan Campbell could, like, run a nuclear power plant with as much energy as you guys have. I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd watch that. Uh, we know we have to get you out of here as well. So uh, just on the, on the last question, you know, I know you guys are a touring band. You're a fucking massive touring band. Where can we catch you? Uh, you guys are doing a fall tour, correct? Yeah, we start, uh, we're actually doing this um, thing for, we're doing small stages for Sirius XM. We start in Asheville um, at the Orange Peel. That's an invite only type of thing, but it's a super cool thing that's that's going on there. And then uh, we have a makeup show in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's Thompson Bowling Arena, which is on the 28th of this month. And then we start our fall tour with uh, John Harvey and our boy Jelly Roll. Um, and that goes all the way through. Yeah, that goes all the way through. Um, we start the twenty. We start the twenty eighth with Jelly Roll. We start on the second. I think we're in Pryor, Oklahoma, and um, that goes all the way to the ninth of October. Then we have like a small window, um, and we're actually going to be doing the uh, music video for Daylight, our new single, um, and another song. And then we go to Europe and uh, the UK in November and December, and headline with zero nine three six and our friends in Asking Alexandria. Are you guys going to go to Germany at all? Yeah. Where in Germany? Are there any chance Frankfurt? I'd have to look. We were just in, we were just doing festivals um, uh, over the summer in Europe, and we we did a bunch of German dates. You know what? I'm trying to think if Frankfurt's Wait, why, dude? Yeah, I'm getting yeah, confused. Why, my sister's in the Army, and she's in Frankfurt, and I'm going to go out there in December, I think. So if it matched up, I'd love to see you guys over there. So. Yeah, let me get I'll, – I'll give you the schedule and see if there's anything Ooh, in that yeah, window of time when we're yeah. over there. You have no idea how confusing that was to me and Dante as Dave started asking Yeah, I know. That Germany. was me thinking out loud right there. I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, man, hey, man, uh, hey, man I'm going to be in uh, Italy in September. You think you guys can yeah, schedule yeah, yeah. something over there? <laughs> We'll be here oh, now next, man. but Hey, next year, next year it's crazy, man. we already have 40 holds for 2023. Like we already have 40 dates like on hold. It's, it's the, the touring industry is like, it is insane oh, right yeah. now. It's insane. Oh yeah. Uh, fucking dude, this has been incredible. Brent, thank you for the time, man. Everyone, appreciate you guys, go- man. Stream by Planet Zero by Shinedown. Go see him on the road. Go see him with Dave in Germany at some yep. point. Yeah, uh, man. Don right, in Italy. Thank- We're going to do the whole yeah. thing. <laughs>
Brent, thank, thank you so you much, man. We'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Much respect, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Brent. We'll catch you soon. All right, so that was Brent Smith from Shinedown. Please go check out their new record. Go see them on tour, Planet Zero. Uh, unbelievable conversation. Really love that guy. Shout out 93.3 WMMR. We talked about that before we started, but uh, amazing radio station that really has been great to them and great to us. So shout out to everybody over there. Uh, real quick, before Dante gets on his flight, let's go into on the list, off the list. Uh, my on the list is football, baby. It's, oh my God, we're getting so close. I'm getting so fucking excited. Preseason football's on, and I like the way they're staggering it now that every day of the weekend there's a preseason game like that. Um, and also, fuck you, Deshaun Watson, you piece of shit. Got 11 games. Are you? Well, you're in Cleveland right now, aren't you? Mute. Sorry. No, I'm, uh, I'm in Chicago, but they are, they are not happy with uh, – basically just how it's been handled like the for him to come out and issue a statement right away and deflect everything and say he's gonna prove his innocence and then has on the back him up i mean they're just they can't get out of their own way man i uh shut up take your medicine wait till the story cycles out i had a big conversation the other day because like People, I remember I was talking to somebody and they were like, I mean, if Watson was the Eagles quarterback. You'd be fucking thrilled. And I was like, I don't think he'd make it out of Philly alive. Like if you're, if you're here and you're weird like that, that ain't working, bro. I don't know. Although if you know, we want a Super Bowl, we'd have a different conversation, but no, fuck that guy. Uh, football is back and it is my on the list, but I, the Sean Watson who's just broke like five minutes ago uh, that he got 11 games and has to pay five mil. Who's he paying five mil to? Goes to the league, they donate it at the end of the year. It, uh, it gets divvied up for charities. And well, all that. good. I, I was worried that I was worried that Goodell got five mil out of that, and I was like, oh, "Who? What are we doing here?" Um, but at least finally, like, it's like, okay, this guy's got to pay something. Like, he's got to pay. Like, I don't know what story is, but either way, uh, yeah, football's back. That's my pick, Dante. Who's on your list? Trippy Red. Ooh, interesting. Um, opened for MGK. Yeah. Really, really, really good. Trippy's like, cool. Really good. Really impressed. Um, sounded great. Great stage presence and cool guy came yeah. by afterwards. And oh, really? Did you, uh, did you smoke black and miles with him? I was pretty, I was pretty tuned up <laughs> by the time they all got there and I was trying to keep things uh keep things under some control up on stage so i kind of try to behave myself you know he's always smoking a black and mild all the time and that's a i'm i i i love trippy um weird shit but he has some stuff with like xxx tentacion that's like absolutely outstanding um i think it's cool that he's going on tour with them too um uh, my off the list is everybody talking shit about kanye selling hoodies out of Construction garbage bags. Did you see this? Yeah, he was on. Uh, he was on Fox News. I know. I just saw that. Yo, did you hear what the reporter said after the interview? He goes, and Yay, as we know him now, told me that it was God's plan to do this interview. And I was just like, "What the fuck? What the fuck are we doing here, dude?" Uh, but no, dude. He's basically in his derelict phase uh, from Zoolander. 
he's, you know, he's not everything the guy does has to be a fucking international story. If the guy has a design idea where he wants to sell his clothes out of fucking construction bagsters, I don't care. He, he doesn't want to do anything unless it will be an international story. Do you think, it's a thing. A, do you think he has an addiction to the spotlight in that capacity? No, I just think he, I think he's such a master manipulator like marketing genius he he just had, knows he has everybody on puppet strings now and he like once you do that why would you ever want to give it up like why would he ever just want to put those on a shelf in gap and have people walk out with a regular gap bag that's not gonna that's not gonna you know move the needle whatsoever it would be boring as fuck to just walk in and there wasn't some sort of elaborate ruse to get you your attention you know what i mean i, mean, like- I don't i have no desire to ever wear that stuff or or pay what he charges for that stuff so it doesn't matter to me but the people in that community that you know he literally puts anything out that he brands or co-signs or vouches for and it's like it's gone man yeah so i can see why that's a huge thing with them and then of course you know media just love i mean he just knows how to play the media he's eating out of his hand He's a genius. I've never argued that, uh, obviously, but I don't know. It's exhausting. Uh, it's a secondary job that I have, depending Kanye West. And... I don't know. <laughs> I have, I have a, I have a theory that he behind closed doors, he just sits there and just laughs and laughs and laughs himself to sleep every night at how much he just plays everybody. Yeah, a hundred percent. We're all just pawns in the game, dude. That's all we are. Uh, Dante, give me your off the list. Um, so I'm in an, I'm in a crowded airport right now, so I can't really, um, I can't really go off right now. But uh, man, I I had this all figured out before I got here. <laughs> Screaming at the top of your lungs. Are you looking around? <laughs> How bad could it be? <laughs> Type it out on your phone or something. You go. Uh... I already went. <laughs> text me and I'll laugh. Please text it to me. We'll just argue it. And nobody has to say anything out loud. Oh, God. Great. This is high level podcasting right here, ladies and gentlemen. This is the next level. Oh. Uh... It's better be funny. <laughs> to see the fear come over Dante in his Vineyard Vine shirt, dude. Uh, you're, you're All right, gonna... so it's. Am I muted? No, you can hear me. I so can it's hear it. it's so it's White Sox, Dave. Um, <laughs> he he invited me to White Sox game last night. For some reason, he's going every night now. He, I, I don't know, think he went to. What... I don't. I don't think he went to a game. All season, and then the last two weeks, he's gone every single night. That's why we've been and, uh, so scattered because I've been trying to figure out what he's been doing. And he's, I've been every night saying, He's like, Oh, I'm on fucking, you know, I'm at the White House. He's been itself. So he invited me last night. I didn't, I had no desire to go, but I went and met up with um, two of my friends who live down by the stadium for dinner. One of them just had a baby down there hanging out. They want to go to a bar to watch. 
uh, the end of the game. So we went to the neighborhood dive and I left early, went to bed early, woke up to texts from my friends that were like, dude, after you left, uh, White Sox, Dave showed up. I was like, oh boy, how did that go? They're like, great. Him and our friend Morgan, who we went to a game last season and Dave and him got into a big argument. Love it. We were like right behind the plate and Dave was trying to tell Morgan that he didn't know anything about baseball compared to him. And he's been, you know, he's been watching games for years and he knows about like barrel <laughs> launch angle, like just all this shit. And he was like getting super technical and nerdy. So I guess they picked up last night where that conversation left off and Dave made a huge bet with Morgan, with a lot of money on the line. And he doesn't realize Morgan like does not fuck around with stuff like that. So all day long today, I've been caught in a firestorm on our group text thread about scheduling this at the office. They're going to sit down. I don't know if it's going to be like trivia or what it's going to be, but they're going to, they're going to like have it out. How see who knows more about White Sox baseball? Let, answer me this. The bet. Are we talking four figures, five figures? I think it's 500 bucks. Oh, okay. That's, that's a lot of money, but like, not like, I thought you were going to be like, Dave just remortgages his home to try and get his bet down. <laughs> oh my God. No, uh, that's, that's, that's good chunk though. You know, I do. I love that man a lot. Um, I, w- I do wish he was here. I understand he had snake draft. Um, whatever. He was on the interview. He did a good job on the interview, too, by the way. I will give him that. He always, yeah, he always, he always does. Uh, we have another big interview next week. Finally, the Midland interview is happening. Finally. After many reschedules. Uh, Midland is coming on. Got OAR Dispatch and G-Love tonight. The cast rolls on. Let me know about that Avril Lavigne or fucking Machine Gun Kelly situation, and we will be there in five minutes. You know I'm, you know I'm on it. Um, but yeah, kill, pod- it, kill it tonight, man. Podcast continues to explode. We are going to fucking eradicate everyone. Um, Dante, anything else for me? Nah, man. Good luck tonight. I'm, I'm pumped for you. Good luck on the flight. Um, I will share everything with you later, guys. See you next week. Fuck you guys. We love you.